The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you Surrender to His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Sheltered from the coming storm 
while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Every day as I come to this mic, we go through this countdown process. I recognize that my life and your life are also on a countdown. A countdown to eternity. And there is this astonishing, wonderful, kingdom of God. And there is a final test for entering that kingdom. This kingdom is spoken of in all of its wonder in Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 31. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 31. So never begin to worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we put on? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But you must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So never begin to be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficiency for the day is its own trouble. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. He's not speaking about just a a geographic place called the kingdom of God. He's speaking about being willing to come under the full authority of the king of kings and lord of lords. That's very hard for us as Americans. We're not used to the term king, and we're not at all accustomed to submitting ourselves to any man or any woman. We're in we're in charge of our own lives. And it's true. We get to decide whether we will be a part of this kingdom or whether we will choose not to be a part of the kingdom. We're also challenged to seek after the righteousness of God, that is, the innocence of God. I was early this morning, meditating on this. And I have to tell you, I was overwhelmed 
by the sin that has been a part of my life in the past. It's not now, but it has been where I have deliberately gone my own way and sought my own interest, stepped on other people's faces to achieve what I wanted. It is to seek the authority of God to be exercised over your life. And it is to seek in every way his righteousness, his innocence. But I want to take another passage of scripture to begin to give us a very clear understanding of what it takes, what the final test is to enter this kingdom of God. And I'm urging you to consider carefully. First, have you entered the kingdom of God? And secondly, are you willing to pay the price to enter the kingdom of God? There is a price. I'll share it with you. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter, we find a parable of a royal marriage. Now, a parable is a short story that was popular in Jesus' day. It usually has one primary point, but other points can also have meaning. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven can be compared to this man. So he's saying, look, listen to this parable, and you will see the characteristics and the necessities of entering into the kingdom of God. There is a a man who is the son of a king, and he's to be married. And a, a wedding is prepared at the castle. He sent his servants out to invite the ones who had been already notified of this wedding. They were to be invited now a second time because the meal was ready. He says... Look, I've prepared my dinner. And by the way, this was not a a short little party. This could go on for a week. And it would be utterly luxurious with wonderful gifts being given to everyone who came. He says, look, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been slaughtered. The filet mignon... The steaks, they're all ready to go on the grill. Come on to the wedding feast. But having paid no attention, they went their ways. So the first thing we hear is that people are invited to the wedding feast of Jesus Christ. They're invited to the, to the wedding supper of the Lamb. They're invited to come and be honored by the king. But the scriptures tell us that one owned a field. Uh, We're told in the book of Luke that he had just purchased that field and he wanted to go check it out. I'm sure he did not buy that field without doing due diligence. But his 
first and primary interest was not in the feast of the king or in the wedding supper of the lamb. His first concern was his business. He was a farmer. And he now had purchased a field. And this represented money. This represented prestige to own this property. And so his first interest was what would cause him to be furthered in his goals, not in the king. His loyalty was not to the king. His loyalty was to his own personal interest. And so he ignored the invitation. Now, it says that he had already been notified sometime prior to this. He was invited ahead of time, and he could have made arrangements to be able to come to the banquet, but he really had no interest. I I talk to people like this. They say, I'm just not interested. I had a a cousin and her wife. He was the manager of a very large and prosperous cattle ranch out in Wyoming. Clyde was his name. He was married to my cousin. They had a beautiful child. And what he enjoyed most was alcohol. I had another cousin, Ralph, who would always talk to him about Jesus and invite him to serve Jesus. And Clyde became so enraged He said, if you ever mention the name of Jesus to me again, I'm going to whip you. I mean, this was a tough man. He was all rawhide. He said, if you ever mention the name of Jesus to me again, I'm going to whip you. I'll beat you to an inch of your life. I don't want to hear the name Jesus. And so Ralph never talked to him about Jesus again. But he went home one night, and he was he was drunk. And when he got home, he was stumbling, falling down drunk. It's amazing he could even get the pickup truck into the house. He came in, and his wife met him. And she said to him, Clyde, if you ever get drunk again and you come home, I'm going to beat you to an inch of your life. Don't ever do this again. It's over. I'm tired of it. He just laughed at her and went to bed and slept off his drunk. The next morning at breakfast, she said to him, Did you hear what I said last night? No, what would you say? I said, If you ever come home drunk again, I'm going to beat you. Well, of course, he's the strong man. He laughed and went off to work just to spite his wife. That night he went and got drunk again. 
And he came home late, long after he should have been home, totally drunk. She took the wooden broom handle and she beat him senseless. He said, I felt every blow, but I was drunk and I could do nothing to stop her. Of course, the beating did no good, and she finally left him. He made choices. He chose his alcohol over his precious daughter. He chose his alcohol over his beautiful, beautiful wife. He was, of course, fired in time from his position as manager of this large, rich man's ranch in Wyoming. I don't know whatever happened to him, finally. I lost track of him. But I can tell you this, it was not good. He made choices. He did not want to be married. He wanted alcohol. Some of you really don't want to be married. You really don't want your kids. You want your work. You want your he-man work. You're a strong, tough man. You want to go to work and feel like I'm the man here and I can do it and, and everything is in my control and I have this thing in my hands. And finally... Your wife will get tired of it, and she'll probably bail out on you and leave. If she doesn't, it's only the grace of God. I've spent too much time with military men and and their wives and others who's spent years focusing on their manly work and not on their wife, and not on their children. And they finally have a wife so fed up and so angry, she bails on him. And he says to me, I don't know, I just just did my best to take care of my family. Liar. You were taking care of yourself. Well, these people had, had no interest in in going to the banquet. They had no interest in the king. They had no interest in serving the king. They wanted their own way. So one goes off to the field and another is a businessman. He sells and trades goods and services. He says, no, I'm sorry. I I just bought a business. I need to go and take care of my business. I don't have time for this Jesus stuff. I don't have time to make a commitment to go to church. I don't have time to to fool around reading the Bible. I don't have to. I've got to work. I've got money to make. I have a, a car to buy. I have a house to pay for. I've got kids' education to pay for. Come on, I've got to go to work. No interest in going to the king's banquet. But some, at the insistence of the king's servants, that they come, because they were quite persistent. They finally grabbed these servants of the king and 
and they beat them up and killed some of them. The king heard about it, made him very angry, and he sent troops and killed these people and burned their properties. Now, please hear me. You can say, look, I've got a business I've got to run. I've got a farm I've got to run. I've got this I have to do. I don't have time for this Jesus stuff. I don't have time to pray. Pastor, don't expect me to pray an hour a day. Don't expect me to spend several hours a day reading the scriptures. I've got television shows I want to watch. I've got games I want to watch. I have... I have this and that. I want to play these video games. I, and I've got work. I've got lots of work. Huh. Okay. Jesus at some point will come in the kingdom of God. And he will bring his judgment on you. And you'll lose everything. You'll lose what you've worked so hard for. You'll be destroyed. That's what Jesus is saying. Look, you don't put a top emphasis on prayer and scripture and sharing the gospel with others. I mean, one man who said he was a a serious Christian, I said, how many people have you won to Jesus? Oh, I haven't won anybody. That's your job, preacher. No, it's not. It's your job. Ah, have you ever won anyone to Jesus? No. Am I supposed to? Yes. So difficult. We have our ways. We have what we want. And we're going to do what we want to do. And we're going to make every excuse to justify ourselves that we must do what we think we must do. A man has to do what a man has to do. No, he doesn't. He has to do what Jesus tells him he must do. Don't tell me that you're a part of the kingdom of God and then walk in pride and arrogance before a holy God. Don't tell me that you're saved if you're not saved from your sin, if you're not saved from your rebellious ways, if you're not saved from your hard work, don't tell me you're saved. That's pride. Then he said, this is the king. He has said to the servants, look, the wedding feast is ready. The ones having been invited, they weren't worthy. So what was it that made these invited guests not worthy? They wanted their own way. They were determined to have what they wanted the way they wanted it. They were determined that they would work in the way they wanted to work. They'd do the farm and they'd do the business, and they do this and that. I know of people right now who are, the whole family is consumed with business, with making money. 
not realizing that all of that money is going to evaporate and disappear. They're on a, they're on a timeline. They're on a countdown to eternity, but they don't know it. They think what they need is money, honey. So the wife is working. The kids are working. Everybody's working. Everybody's, oh, we've got to have money. We've got to, we've got to pay these college bills. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to, we don't have time for this church business. Don't expect me to come early and pray before the service. Don't even expect me to show up at the service. I'll just catch a little bit online, maybe. Oh, really? You think Jesus is going to say to you online, Hey, sinner, I love you. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Are you kidding me? No, he's not. They are said to be in Scripture not worthy. So he says, Go out into the thoroughfares of the streets, and as many as you find you must invite to the wedding feast. And those servants, after having gone out into the roadways, brought together all, as many as they found both bad and good. So they brought the bums. They brought the derelicts. They brought the prostitutes. Never forget my first worship service at the Times Square Church with David Wilkerson. I was sitting on the platform with him, and I noticed that the front two rows of the Times Square Church was They were reserved. And I said to Pastor David, who are these special people that the front seats of this church are reserved for? He smiled at me. He said, Brother Ray, those are saved for the prostitutes at Times Square. They're saved for the movie people. They're saved for the drug addicts. They're saved for the alcoholics. They're saved for the homeless. The front two seats, the best seats in the house we reserve for the bad ones. Well, that's what Jesus said. The bad ones and the good ones. Everybody's invited. I want you to hear that and hear it clearly. You are invited to the banquet of the Lord, but you must be found worthy to be at that banquet. If you are not worthy of coming to the banquet, you will be shut out. You will not be found at the banquet of the Lord. You have been invited. Now, the banquet hall is filled. The guests are all reclining on beautiful couches. And the king comes now to look at all of his guests. He sees a man there dressed in common street clothes. Now, wonderful wedding garments had been provided for everyone who came. 
facilities had been provided for them to get washed up, to get cleaned up, to put on these beautiful wedding garments. He knew the people of that day did not have soft robes. He knew they did not have adequate clothing to come to a king's banquet. So he provided all of it. <laughs> you can see the commotion going on out in the anteroom where all of the guests came first. And the servants of the king fitting everyone with the appropriate robe, giving them choices of what the robe would look like. They all dressed in the king's garments, the wedding garment. But when he enters, he finds one person who is not dressed in a wedding garment. He's dressed in his street clothes. The king says to him, Friend, how did you enter here not having a wedding garment? An honest question. Not a hostile question. An honest question. Maybe they ran out of garments. Maybe none could be found that would fit this man. He may have a very good reason for why he has come into the king's banquet dressed in his own clothes. But the man was speechless. He had no excuses before the king. He knew he had turned down the wedding garment. And the king said to the servants, After you have bound this man's feet and his hands, pick him up. Throw him out into the darkness, the furthest out. Now, in that culture, to be cast into the furthest out darkness was a sentence of death. It was an execution. He had insulted the king of kings. And the price for insulting the king is to be thrown out of the banquet hall and cast into a place where you die. Darkness. And then the further note, there will be weeping and grinding or gnashing of the teeth. In other words, this man is going to be so furious he will be spitting angry at the king. And he will weep because he has no control over his future. His future has been decided and he is cast out. Now this last verse, verse 14 of this section is just utterly tragic. It says, Now many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, you have all been called. Some of you have even come into the banquet hall, but you did not put on the wedding garment. 
you did not dress yourself in the wedding garment. Back at verse 11, But the king, having entered to look over the reclining guests, he saw a man there not having dressed himself in a wedding garment. You must dress yourself in the wedding garment. It is not something automatically done for you. It is something you must do. You must dress yourself. How do you dress yourself? I want to go to another scripture. This scripture is found in the book of Luke. In Luke, there is again the parable of the great dinner. And at the conclusion of Luke's version of this great banquet, verse 24, this is Luke 14, verse 24, For I say to you that none of those men, having been invited, will taste my dinner. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So it's vital that we understand how are we chosen? What is the what is the process for putting on this wedding garment? What do we have to do to put the wedding garment on? It is something that is given to us. There is no charge by the king for the wedding garment to be provided for you. It is instead a deep inner pride that does not allow us to submit to the king. Some, as we've shared, said, I just bought property. I just got married. I just just opened a new business. I'm too busy. I can't come. Some got angry at the ones being so insistent upon their coming and, and actually murdered them. If you went to a place like Saudi Arabia and you went to the town center and you began to invite people to come to Jesus Christ and to his wedding, you would very likely be executed. And the day will come when God will come and destroy Saudi Arabia because they have rejected the wedding garment. They've rejected coming to the banquet of the king. They have refused the offer to be a part of the kingdom of God. But how about the many who say, oh yes, I want to come to the banquet. I want to be a part. And they come and they're a part of the church. They joined the church. They said a little sinner's prayer. They they attend regularly. They pay their tithe. They give their offerings. They participate in the decorating of the church. They participate in all manner of things. But they're still dressed in their street clothes. They were never willing to put on the garment of Jesus Christ. Now, what's that garment look like? We find that beginning in Luke, the 14th chapter, 
Verse 25. Now large multitudes were going along with him. And having turned, he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not have single-minded loyalty to me over his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he is not able to be my disciple. In other words, he's unworthy. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me is not able to be my disciple. I'm so tired of people who say they're Christians. And then they have ten excuses for why they can't come to church. They're not interested, bottom line. Oh, they're interested if it's a freebie. But if they have a business issue that they have to deal with, that's first. Now, if anyone comes to me, does not have single-minded loyalty to me, over father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yea, even his own life, the words Jesus is saying, look, the cost of the wedding garment that you need to wear if you're going to be a part of this banquet is that you must have an absolutely undivided loyalty to Jesus, even above your own survival, even above your own stuff. That your loyalty to Jesus goes beyond even your own freedom, your own life. Your loyalty must be greater to me than it is to your father or your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Your loyalty to me has to be absolute. You see, what causes me such heartburn is that most people that I meet, they're interested in hearing about the gospel. They're interested in the wonderful possibility of being in that wonderful banquet hall. They they want a little religion, but bottom line, they want their own business. Bottom line, they want their own way. They don't want to give themselves entirely. They don't want to they don't want to burn their ships behind them. They want to be able to bail out if that's what's necessary. If it's too difficult, we're out of here. There's not an undying loyalty to Jesus. And by the way, an undying loyalty to Jesus also includes his his kingdom, his people. Will you lay down your life for your brother? 
in the name of Jesus. Is your primary interest about your entertainment and your ways and what you want? Or is your absolute interest in Jesus Christ? The king is going to come in and he's going to examine every person. Everyone has been invited. Some blew him off and said, I don't want anything to do with this. Okay. Their fate is sealed. They're going to go to judgment and they're going to go to hell. But many others said, yes, we want to come and they'll show up. But they won't put on the wedding garment because they have divided interests. They're on a schedule at that banquet. And if they have to leave early, they're going to leave early. Their first interest is what they need to do to take care of themselves, not to take care of Jesus. Now, verse 33. So then each one from among you who does not say farewell to his own possessions is not able to be my disciple. He didn't ask Peter to sell his house because Peter proved over and over that his first interest was in Jesus. We all need a place to live. We need transportation. We need food. But all of those things must be secondary to Jesus Christ and must be used in the work of building his kingdom. We give up our money. Boy, that's hard. Some of you have worked all your life for the money you have. And you have it stashed away in in savings this and retirement here and house there. And does it belong to Jesus or does it belong to you? Is your first concern how you can build his kingdom? How you can accomplish the work of the gospel of Jesus. If you come into the banquet hall, you come into the church, and you're wearing the robe of self-sufficiency, of pride, you're wearing the robe of control, you're wearing the robe of, of bitterness and anger, accusations. You want those video games before you want Jesus. You want those football games before Jesus. You want those baseball games before Jesus. You want those college bowls. You want to you feast on all the entertainment of the world. And you want the pleasures and the comforts. You want your little place. You want all of that before Jesus. Oh, you want Jesus and all of that too. I, I get that. I understand it. The kingdom of God is not for sale. And if you're going to come into the kingdom of God and you're going to celebrate with God, the king, the marriage supper of the lamb, you're going to have to be worthy to be in that place and to enjoy that time. 
And we are on a countdown now to the celebration of the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's coming. Just as I sit at this mic and I'm given a 30-second countdown and then I'm given a five-second countdown and then it's time to be on live. In the same way this wedding supper is scheduled, you've been invited. You can blow them off and say, I'm not interested. I'm going to go have my own party, okay? You can say, okay, I'll come, but, you know, there are conditions. I'm not going to wear one of those robes. I'm not going to give you my total loyalty. I'm going to have reserves in my heart. Jesus says next, salt is good, but if salt may lose and become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for a rubbish heap. They throw it out. The ones having ears to hear, he must hear. What's he saying? He's saying the salt of your life has no bite. You are a part of the elements of the earth, and you are not salt. You have no preservative quality. You don't confront wickedness. You go along to get along. You are not interested in in selling all you have and giving to the Lord. You want to run your own life and your own business the way you want to run it. You know what's necessary to be successful and accomplished and take care of your family, and you're about doing it, and they are your first priority. Okay. Then in all of your intellectual understanding of the gospel, when the Lord comes in to see the guests, he'll see that you do not have on the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the robe of righteousness is not something we know from many other teachings that I've shared time after time. You know that the robe of righteousness does not cover dirt. You must be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now this is this is totally serious. Get real with me. Do you have interests that come before the kingdom of God, before the work of the gospel? Have you utterly given yourself over, whether you're working in a factory or in a hospital or in a business office, whether you're running your own business? Have you given all that you have to be under the authority of the kingdom of God, or are you still under your own authority? Now, I know many of you are going to answer, oh, I'm under the authority of Jesus. Are you really? Then why aren't you trusting him? Why are you still complaining and moaning and groaning, trying to pretend that you're so essential, that you have no time to read the scriptures and pray and and fast and tell others about the gospel of Jesus and love them and minister to them. 
Some of you are more in love with your easy chair than you are with Jesus Christ. If you had to choose honestly between your easy chair and Jesus, you'd probably choose your easy chair because that's your place of comfort. If you had to choose between your table with its food and Jesus, many of you, if you're honest, would say, yes, I would have to choose my food first. Do you understand? We're all called, but only a few will be chosen to to remain at the banquet feast of the Lamb. It's not going to be a crowd. And the dividing between those who are allowed to remain and those who are cast out into utter darkness, where they're going to be very angry because they've been thrown out. The issue between them is, will you allow Jesus to dress you in his righteousness? Will you confess and repent of your sin? And will you leave it behind? Will you stop doing what he tells you to not do? Will you make the authority of the kingdom of God first and foremost in your life? Or are you lazy and you just don't want to do the work? You don't want to do the the work of being disciplined by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. You reject his discipline. Oh, my brother, my sister. Now is the time to choose whether you're going to get dressed in the wedding garment of the the Lamb and whether you're going to be counted as worthy, not by your own works, but by whether or not you've put on the wedding garment, whether you have turned your back on everything that man counts as essential and necessary and important, whether you're going to trust Jesus entirely and do what he's asked you to do. This is the day. We're going to see catastrophic things happening in America in the coming days and weeks and months. It will test you to the ultimate limit. Are you really going to put Jesus first? Are you going to put money first? Are you going to put Jesus first? Are you going to put food first? Are you going to put what you want ahead of Jesus? Or will you finally totally and completely say, all right, Jesus, I'll dress in your robe. I want to be counted worthy. Look, this is so deep and so serious that I don't have words to adequately express to you the desperate dividing and rending of people as they are separated one from another based on their commitment to Jesus Christ. It's time to spend hours seeking his face, hours in prayer, 
fasting and scripture, crying out to him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know I want to be at that wedding feast of the Lamb, but I know I must be counted worthy, not by works, but by faith in you and absolute loyalty to you above all else. Do your work in my heart. Wash me and cleanse me, Jesus. Wash and cleanse every person listening who's saying, yes, I want Jesus and I want to be at that great wedding feast. Lord, I love you and I trust you. And I ask you to bless each who's listening in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I haven't heard from some of you this month. I'm concerned about you. I pray the Holy Spirit will convict you to help support this work of the gospel. Where is your priority? Where is your priority? You can give online. You can go to nationalprayerchapel.com. I'm very happy that we're all back online. I just got that word from Brother Ed. Some of you were not able to get through. You can now. The website is up and repaired and ready to go. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Tomorrow is a day of prayer. I'll talk to you soon. Savior, through Jesus.